people are getting letters of exemption so they don't have to get the vaccination. What can you report about that? Bill, this is a disgrace, and it's a study that came out in the journal Pediatrics this week, and I am hoping that the doctors that are responsible for this get prosecuted, because there's a few doctors, in, few doctors in California that are not even pediatricians, are writing exemption letters for a ton of kids in certain schools, where some schools have up to 20% of their kids don't have the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine because they got a crazy exemption letter that's fraudulent. Exemption personal belief exemption states, meaning that you can exempt from having the vaccine just on your personal beliefs. So 7.9% of the population saying that they, they're going to forego the vaccine, that they're just not going to get it because of personal beliefs. Uh, and and that's, that's part of the problem. You know, Aaron, public health experts told me that they could have predicted this happening in the Northwest because of those exemptions some time ago. In the meantime, state legislators also pushing ahead to make sure an outbreak like this never happens again. A bill that would ban personal vaccine exemptions has taken one step closer to coming to a full vote. No, I think it's the right thing. And I think we'll see the vast majority agree with me. As the only Republican who is supporting and sponsoring this bill, Representative Paul Harris says people getting the MMR vaccine is a no-brainer. I find it kind of an odd argument, to be quite frank, that, uh, that you don't want to be vaccinated against these diseases that other countries are clamoring for. House Bill 1638 just made it out of the Health Care and Wellness Committee. It now needs to pass the House Rule Committee. If it passes then, it would head to the House floor for a full vote. For Harris, this is not a partisan issue, but more of a personal one, as it is his district in Clark County where the measles outbreak is hitting the most. I've heard from several families with kids who have compromised immune systems um, that either had heart transplants or livers or gal, I mean, a lot of them who are in uh, kids who are in cancer treatments that they can't be vaccinated are very concerned. Not everybody is on board, however. State Republican Representative Joe Schmick recently said in a statement to his constituents saying while he believes everybody should be vaccinated, he also believes that decisions like this are best left up to parents and their doctors. Healthcare freedoms and parental rights are two issues we should not take lightly, he says. For Governor Inslee, he's also giving his support for the bill. The, the damage is so significant and the vaccination so effective. It's a very effective vaccine that there really is a right decision for all of us to call for the protection of all of our children. Well, Representative Harris says that the bill would still allow for medical exemptions that is given the OK from a licensed health care practitioner, as well as religious exemptions as well, but not philosophical exemptions. CDC whistleblower Dr. William Thompson has now issued a public statement affirming the massive fraud at the CDC. Quote, I regret that my co-authors and I omitted statistically significant information in our 2004 article published in the journal Pediatrics. Thompson has claimed that he's handed over documents about this case to Congressman Bill Posey's office. Congressman Posey brought this information to the floor of Congress, and what he read there was nothing short of stunning. That authors of the study not only hid the actual findings, but attempted to destroy evidence. Quoting from Dr. Thompson, the authors of the study decided not to disclose to the public that African-American boys under 36 months were more susceptible to developing autism or autism-like symptoms from the MMR vaccine. 
we would conclude that vaccinating children early with MMR vaccine could lead to autism-like characteristics or features. Author scheduled a meeting to destroy documents related to the study. The remaining four co-authors all met and brought a big garbage can into the meeting room and reviewed and went through all the hard copy documents that we had thought we should discard and put them in a huge garbage can. We want Bill Thompson subpoenaed before Congress because Congress won't subpoena him. Why? Because the number one lobbying donor to Congress today is the pharmaceutical industry. And they have our congressmen on puppet strings. We are not going to stand by and let another Tuskegee experiment happen again. This is a real story of a real fraud. That's the lowest point in my career that I went along with that paper. Deliberate, high-level deception of the American people with disastrous consequences for its children's health. In order to give context to the extraordinary story that you're about to hear, a little historical perspective is important. Many of you will have heard of Tuskegee. Dirt poor sharecroppers in Macon County, Alabama, black men with syphilis. From 1932, 339 men were told by the Public Health Service, the forerunner of today's CDC, that they had bad blood. The motive of public health doctors was to study the natural history of syphilis in the Black Mound. Natural history in this case means deliberately untreated. These men were deliberately left untreated even when something as effective as penicillin came along. Worse still, those infected were actively prevented by public health doctors from getting this life-saving drug. Men suffered and died. Women continued being infected, and babies continued to be born with congenital syphilis. A shiny new CDC took over in the late 1960s, refused to stop the experiment. Not until every last man had been opened up on their autopsy table. The experiment was stopped, not because the CDC realized the barbaric nature of their enterprise, but because a whistleblower by the name of Peter Buxton leaked the story to a journalist at the Washington Star. The story was published on July 25th, 1972, hit the front page of the New York Times, and the experiment was stopped shortly thereafter. Congressional hearings followed. So unethical, so inhumane was this public health experiment that it led to a change in the CDC's code of medical ethics. Except it didn't. We told you recently about a new whistleblower inside the CDC. Now we know his name, Dr. William Thompson. And Dr. Thompson shared his story with Dr. Brian Hooker. Thompson says he stayed quiet for over 10 years after finding a link between vaccines in young black children and autism. Thompson says the CDC knew about this link and purposely manipulated the evidence by removing black babies without birth certificates from the study to justify their own multi-billion dollar vaccination operation.
Belsi Gonzalez, the senior public affairs specialist for the CDC, responded to our inquiry, admitting the omission of the data based on the children's birth certificates. And here is the statement, quote, Access to the information on the birth certificates allowed researchers to assess more complete information on race, as well as other important characteristics, including possible risk factors for autism, such as the child's birth weight, mother's age, and education. This information was not available for the children without birth certificates. Hence, the CDC study did not present data by race on black, white, or other race children from the whole study sample. It presented the results on black and white other race children from the group with birth certificates. Now, that's a pretty telling statement worded very carefully, but a clear admission that the CDC did not present data because the children without birth certificates lacked metadata on the risk factors, including race. Today, the CDC still claims the MMR vaccine does not increase the risk of autism. And today, we welcome Dr. Brian Hooker to the program to talk about his recent conversations with the CDC whistleblower, Dr. William Thompson, and of course, the CDC response. Dr. Hooker, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Gary. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. Doctor, before we get into the details of Dr. Thompson and his revelations and your research what is your reaction to the cdc's response um well actually the cdc's response is false uh they claim that the um original data only have the race component for uh those individuals where they have valid state of georgia birth certificates but that's not true i um i was able to get the cdc's official statement yesterday they just came out with this official statement yesterday and i went back and i have the original data sets i got them through proper channels from the cdc and race information is documented for everybody in the study it's not just documented for those that have valid birth certificates but what they were able to do for you know the entire population that was considered in the study some 2500 uh, uh, children they were able to identify race through school records so what they're saying is a lie it is it is false that um, you need a birth certificate in order to determine the race of an individual. It was in their school records. Now, do you agree that the statement itself does admit, the CDC is admitting that they didn't present the data? That's correct. That's correct. But the, as, as the story goes, and I have the original study protocol, the, the CDC's um, final agreed upon study protocol uh, uh, came out for this particular study on September 5th, 2001. And in that particular um, protocol, they said that they would consider race among the entire population. They call race a covariate, and that's just a term that's used in statistics for, uh, for a secondary variable. But they said that race would be used within the entire population. So what they've done is they've deviated from their own protocol and according to the whistle whistleblower, the reason why they deviated from that agreed upon protocol was they saw this astronomical risk in African-Americans. And when they saw that astronomical risk, they looked for any way that they could bury that risk. And they reduced the sample size down to what, what's called the birth certificate cohort. And that caused the association to no longer be statistically significant. So, you know, that's that's the rest of the story. So why are they why are they burying the results? Uh, the CDC is scared. And this is this is a dynamite 
uh, result, and it shows that there is a problem with the MMR vaccine and perhaps the entire vaccination schedule that is specific to African Americans. When I did my study, I did it. I went one step further. I looked at African American males only and saw that the risks only increased when I looked at males versus females. So CDC, you know, they they are not going to say anything. Um, to the public that would damage the reputation of the MMR vaccine. They just flat out refuse to do it. They will not come out and say that there's an adverse effect linked to the MMR vaccine. So they were scrambling to figure out any way that they could do or any way that they could indemnify the MMR vaccine. And this is the statistical method that they used. Now, this whole story is blowing up. It's been what? 12, 13 years uh, since the study has been released. Uh, why now? Why now? Um, well, why is this information now being released to the public? The, the CDC did not make these data available to anybody in the public until January of 2014. So these data sets have been buried. They have not been publicly accessed. And only when I made the request to get these data sets and through the assistance of the whistleblower on the inside, um, was I able to get these data? So nobody has had these raw data in, in order to analyze it. So they basically, this study has been sitting in the vacuum for nobody to replicate. And by the way, doing that, um, keeping these data away from the public um, is, is against the law. These, these particular data um, for a government study that has the force and effect of law, they have to be made available for the public. So the CDC was breaking the law for 10 years before they finally made this information available. Who do you think should be held accountable here? Um, I think that uh, the CDC in general should be held account accountable. This is, an, this is an agency in extreme conflict. You know, at the same time that they are uh, uh, stating that... Uh, um, that the MMR you know, vaccine is safe and, and that we want to maximize vaccine uptake, uh, they're, they're also in charge of vaccine safety. So you know, there's a huge conflict of interest. The CDC buys $4 billion worth of vaccines from the vaccine industry every year to distribute to the state public health departments. And so they, they're the last agency that should be looking at vaccine safety. It is a huge conflict of interest. Also the co-authors, that are on this study, um, I would recommend to them that they withdraw their name from the study and the study be withdrawn from the journal Pediatrics. That's Dr. Frank DiStefano. He's the current head of the Immunization Safety Office at the CDC. Dr. Marshallin Jurgen Alsop, who is uh, the chief of the uh, Developmental Disabilities Branch at the CDC. And then Dr. Colleen Boyle, who actually sits right below the director of the CDC, uh, she's the director of the Center for uh, National Center for Birth Defects and Developmental Disabilities. These individuals should be held accountable because this was a massive cover-up. It was agreed upon, according to the whistleblower, after they saw the data, after they saw that it was specific to African Americans, that they would cover up this information. And so they have committed fraud. Do you believe that there is a criminal element here? If, uh, if we could have saved damage from children, then, and if we have intentionally put children in harm's way, then absolutely there's a criminal. You, you know, the, the CDC is in charge of vaccine safety. 
if they've lied about vaccine safety, then they've put children in harm's way. And I, and I think that, um, you know, I, I am not an attorney myself, I'm a scientist, um, but I would dare say that, um, you know, putting children in harm's way uh, intentionally, I would say that's a crime in the United States. So you issued a FOIA request to get this study. Uh, what spurred that request? Why did you begin um, looking into this? Actually, it was the whistleblower. So the whistleblower um, contacted you first. Who contacted me first? That is, that is. So the whistleblower uh, informed you that there was a study that need, that you needed to do a FOIA request on. You sought that request. You got it. So t- tell me about tell me about that phone call when the, when you got a call from the whistleblower. How that whole communication uh, developed? Well, it was uh, it was a very uh, <laughs> it was a very interesting day to say the least. Uh, I was sitting at my desk um, in my office at work. And I looked down on my cell phone and there was a 404 area code number. Now, I don't really know anybody in Atlanta. So, you know, my my uh, impression and contention was that it was somebody from the CDC. And uh, so I didn't pick up the phone. Uh, you, you have to understand that I've gotten anonymous uh, harassing phone calls from the CDC previously from individuals who identified themselves as CDC officials. So I wasn't about uh, to pick up the phone. Uh, so this individual did not leave a voicemail message. Uh, so I was intrigued as to who this was. And I called the individual back, got their voicemail and lo and behold, it was Dr. Thompson. Uh, now I left a message for Dr. Thompson that if he, you know, indeed wanted to talk to me, he, um, he was more than welcome to talk to me. Uh, I had talked to him initially back in 2002 and 2003 regarding these studies before the CDC essentially just put a blackout on anybody returning my calls. So it had been over 10 years since I talked to him, but I welcomed him to talk to me. And as he did, uh, he uh, apologized because he knew that the CDC had um, indeed initiated harassing phone calls, so he didn't want to scare me. And uh, we started to talk about data and we started to talk about information. And as trust was developed in these particular phone conversations, then um, Dr. Thompson started to disclose uh, the fact that these data sets were available. Uh, This was disclosed uh, to me in December and that I needed to look specifically at these data sets. And he told me exactly where to look at the within these data sets. after I received the data sets, it, uh, it took me about 30 minutes in order to find this relationship between uh, the MMR timing in African-Americans and autism. And uh, when I found that, um, I was back on the phone with Dr. Thompson and he said, oh, you found the relationship. You found what we covered up. And then at that particular point, that's when you know this whole scenario of fraud and malfeasance uh, started to open up. And uh, so we've been uh, consistently in touch on the phone uh, for the last nine months. And uh, so where's Dr. Thompson now? Uh, We we received a report that he was escorted out of the CDC offices uh, just recently. Uh, Do you have any 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 word or have you heard from him since? uh, I am uh, in communication with Dr. Thompson only through his attorney. And uh, um, but I do know that. Um, Dr. Thompson is, I, am not sure, you know, I, the, the reports of him being escorted out of the CDC are, are unsubstantiated. I, I'm not exactly sure, you know, where that, that came from. 
Um, so when you, but, when you communicate with him through his lawyer, I mean, how, how is that, what is he disclosing through those communications? Uh, and recently, not much. I just know that, um, uh, you know, as of late, he is going to work at the CDC. He's sitting at his desk. He's working on his projects. He's going to meetings. And so at this point, that's about all I know. And in order to protect the whistleblower, his wife and his family, um, I have have honored that and um, 